ACC men's hoops was full of great games, but it was the women who had surprising upsets that we want to touch base on today, as well as some college football playoff championship predictions. Will TCU finally be one of the biggest underdogs to take the crown? Let's talk about it on today's show. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to today's edition of Locked On ACC. I'm your host, Candace Cooper, joined by Kenton Gibbs of Locked On Wolfpack. Each and every day, you can find us here at Locked On ACC Pod, whether you listen audio style, wherever you listen to podcasts, or via YouTube, where you can subscribe to our channel. We are on the road to 1,000. We are super excited. If you hit that subscribe button, you let us know how you feel about things. On today's episode, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to talk about some basketball that took place over the weekend, as well as some college football playoff conversations. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people that you want to use faster for free. Post your job free at linkedinjobs.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Ken Gibbs, how are you feeling? How was the weekend for you? I'm feeling great. It was a, a very eventful weekend for me. Uh, I, you know, I, I went and tried a new restaurant that was absolutely delectable. Other than that, just pretty much chill back. How about yourself? You know, it was a great weekend getting ready to celebrate another year of life for myself, but super excited for the opportunity to talk shop here around conference news. Let's get right into it as we touch base on some really good men's basketball games that happened on Saturday. A lot of good predictions. If you listen to the Locked On, Pod, Locked on ACC podcast on Friday, we had Drizzy Drake, who was giving us all the best betting action. So if you want some money, make sure you put that in the subscription or put that in the comments as you talk to us on YouTube. Up first, we had at the crack of dawn, North Carolina and Notre Dame taking off 81 to 64 victory for the Tar Heels, who are looking like better and better shape to potentially be ranked in the top 25 going into this week. It's about time that we see this Carolina team that Armando Baycott, once again, ACC player of the week, is really coming into form and shape. You know, this was the um, UNC beating Notre Dame game that we all kind of saw coming, right? Because while everybody is is talking all the mess about Louisville, there's another team in the conference that does not have a single conference win yet. And that team, ladies and gentlemen, would be Notre Dame. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with Notre Dame right now, but it just seems like it just seems like they just they cannot get it together. They cannot consistently string together um, a series of stops when they need it or their offense just goes ice cold. It's just, you don't know what's going to go wrong for Notre Dame on any given night, but I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's a tough time. It's, it's always going to be a tough time when, you know, your starters or your starting backcourt is combining for, uh, I want to say this is 10 of 20, 10 of 30, actually, uh, between your backcourt of Hammond, Ryan, and Goodwin, you're not going to win like that. You're not going to win like that, especially against a, a UNC team that, uh, like we've talked about many a time, they have one of the most dominant forces in all of college basketball in Armando Baycott. You're not going to win with your backcourt just pretty much drawing a blank. 
Absolutely. And it's tough for Nate Lajewski, who's we're used to seeing be pretty consistent, but was only one for one from the three point range. And you look at the fact that they have no bench help for real, like combined only about 11 points. I think that's one of the more challenging parts of their story. And, you know, Coach Bray can do all he can, but if you just don't have the horses in the stable, it's just not going to necessarily work out for you. And it was just evident, it was just very evident that North Carolina was the more talented team. So Notre Dame falls to eight and eight on the season while Carolina picks up and gets another ACC win to make it 11 and five for them. Let's switch gears. Talk about the rival across the road. Duke Blue Devils taking on Boston College in a close matchup. They were in Chestnut Hill and Boston College had all the things to make this Eps upset real. I thought Duke was going to come in and was likely in the company feel a little more, a little more thrively. Lively as they tried to say lively in the word, but I got you. I'm here with you. As they tried to figure out how to bounce back after that NC State loss, but it was close down to the wire. The Blue Devils were able to pull it off, but it's safe to say that they are definitely on the cusp of being a top 25 ranked team and not because Earl Grant and company certainly gave them a lot to play for. Ashford length, Ash, dang, why am I having word, word vomit today? But let me try that a bit again. Langford was able to, you know, help dominate, help the Boston College in a positive way. And I think ultimately Duke just had the upper hand with talent. Every time. And here's the interesting thing about this game. Every time it seemed like Duke was going to pull away and this game was over. Boston College just fought back and fought back and fought back and made it close and made it close and made it close. All throughout that second half, there were multiple points where Duke is up double digits multiple times. I believe the lead ballooned to 12 or 14 at one point. All that, even through all that, this Boston College team just kept fighting, kept fighting, kept fighting. And then you look up and you're like, oh, well, look at that. They're writing this thing at the end with a chance to win it. And although, you know, things don't always work out at the end and there was some, some very interesting play calling down the stretch, this is still a situation where you tip your hats to Boston College and you also look at Duke and say, hey, what's going on? What's why? Why are you struggling with this Boston College team? And yes, I know you're on the road and this team has struggled a lot on the road. But still, you it's hard to come up with an excuse to struggle against Boston College. And if you look at these first two uh, games and we talk about good, bad and ugly that we usually do on Monday show, to me, it's ugly that Notre Dame still hasn't had an ACC win. And it's bad that Duke is even struggling against a team like teams like NC State and Boston College. And it really, for me, is all the good of you show that Boston College can hang with the best of them. North Carolina's getting back on track. But of these two matchups, I'm just sitting there saying to myself, there's a lot of identity coming into play with who certain teams are as we're really hammering down on conference play. I don't know. After this weekend, you know, I'm not just saying this because I'm a state grad. I, I don't know if this is a you shouldn't be competing with this NC State team because uh, the, the the boys went up there and showed us something decent up in Blacksburg. I'm just saying. 100 percent. Let's talk about the Georgia Tech Florida State matchup here real quick. Georgia Tech unable to figure out how to win against the Florida State Seminoles, a Florida State team that has been desperate for wins, not necessarily having the horses in stable whatsoever. Leonard Hamilton has been so tested when it comes to his coaching ability with only, what, seven starters on the night, but they were able to beat the Yellow Jackets, the Yellow Jackets team who just beat a Miami team. So it's just really all over the place when we talk about men's conference and standings. I'm going to just tell you this. This 
this team here, I you know, we always talk about the length that uh, Florida State has, but another part of that goes with their depth. And having all the injuries makes it extremely tough. However, excuse me, Matthew Cleveland showing up having a big night absolutely helped. Um, Green Jr. showing up having a big night absolutely helped. The fact of the matter is if Darren Green Jr. doesn't show up in the way that he did in this game, I don't think Florida State has a chance of winning um, in the way that they did because if you look at their bench, they only got seven points from the entire bench. So the you don't win a game like this uh, without absolutely mammoth performances from your starters, and, and every starter scored at least eight points for um, for Florida State. So this is, you know, they walk away with a win here, and they, it, it's a tough earn, tightly contested win, but they walk away with a win here. The one thing that I do find interesting is this Florida State team and all we talk about with their length and all that good stuff, not a single block in this game. Not a single block. Very surprising for me. But they still come away with a win against Georgia Tech. No doubt about it. They These are three great matchups as we're getting rolling into the good, bad, and ugly here for our Locked on ACC podcast. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. I know you guys are always sleeping on LinkedIn, but I'm telling you what, if you're trying to put up a job, if you're trying to find a job, this is the website for you as a small business owner or hiring manager. You know, the success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions do apply. We're rocking and rolling, talking about men's basketball here, doing a recap of Saturday's matchups. Wake Forest took on Louisville, a Louisville team that we had recently mentioned has desperately looked for a win by any means necessary, not even just a conference win, just a win in general. But now they are a 2-14 team after taking the L80-72. to Competitive, we will say that. They were a competitive team. We saw some good things out of Mr. James. I think that ultimately, you know, Mike James is one person and he needs a hell of a lot more help to have a double digit points from the rest of his you know, starting five. But it was, of course, the Demon Deacons and Monsanto and company that were able to pull out a big dub for the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. If you were talking about Louisville started this game off on an 8-0 run. It looked so promising. It looked like this was the time for them to get their first conference win. It looked like this was the moment. And even after that 8-0 run got broken, they still fought back, battled back, kept a big lead. At were up. I want to say, um, I want to say that they were up at one point in time 24 to 7 or 27 to 7, actually. And then it went all down. It just was. You know, after that point, it was like Wake Forest woke up and said, wait a minute, we're losing the who? And it was just, it, it, you know, again, to lead 43 to 26, I'm sorry, to uh, walk into a situation where you start the game off on a strong note, you start the game off at a, a very positive rate, and then to just like completely and utterly basically fizzle out down the stretch, it, that's tough. That's tough. And and you know what? I may have that a little backwards. I believe Wake Forest was the team that started off leading, but either way it goes, it 
it just it's a, it's such a tough time for Louisville right now. This is one of those historically bad seasons that we talked about at the beginning of the season. We hope they didn't have because again, it's good for the conference when more teams are good. But again, Wake Forest started this thing off leading, and I believe this was a wire to wire victory, even though. Louisville did their best to fight back and, and make this game look closer final score than it actually was uh, in terms of what the scoreboard said at the final buzzer. No doubt about it. Closest game of the weekend. We saw Clemson take on Pitt and the Clemson Tigers had no bench, but it was no problem as your starters were able to hold themselves accountable. You had Hunter Tyson doing what he does best. PJ Hall having a double double, but it was Chase Hunter with his 17 points on the night that were able without help propel the Tigers to a victory 75 to 74 over the Panthers. And to me, I think they're both good teams. I think, you know, there's no bad or ugly between them. The fact that they are two of the best in the conference right now is very telling, considering where we usually discuss Clemson and Pittsburgh. And on the football side, it's very obvious that these teams are rolling in the, in the right direction. Absolutely. And this was a, a very toughly contested, hard-fought game. This, this game came down to the wire, could have went either way. And the fact of the matter is simple. At the end of the day, I think that Clemson just had the slightly better players going down the stretch. I think that their players knew what to do in terms of its winning time. How do we get this thing done just a little bit better? We talk about all that P.J. Uh, Hall does on offense, and yet he came up with a massive block on a Jamarius Burton uh, layup toward the end of the game there. And then when you go beyond that, you look at the fact that um, – you look at the fact that when Clemson recovered the ball after that, who did they get the ball to? Hunter Tyson. And what did he do? Seal the game with two free throws. You talk about uh, Tyson and you talk about Hall and all that they do, and sometimes you forget that the best players are not extraordinary in all these crazy ways. Sometimes the best players just do the ordinary things extra well, and that showed in terms of P.J. Hall's defense and um, Hunter's free throw shooting down the stretch. We want to talk about Virginia, and sometimes we thought they were going to be bad and ugly towards this season because they couldn't quite figure things out. But it was the 73-66 victory over Syracuse that made us a little more confident in these starters, these veteran leaders that the Cavaliers had. And although Judah Mintz and Joe Girard put up as much as they could between 18 and 19 points respectfully, I think it was just Virginia figuring out how to play all-around basketball and sharing the rock Getting the getting the scores that they needed to and defending really well against a really you know halfway decent Syracuse team. At the end of the day, let's just be honest about this situation, right? This offense for Virginia runs through Kihei Clark in a way that I have not seen in quite some time. Kihei Clark is a guy who dominates the game without scoring much because he sets the tempo, sets the pace, a game high eleven assists. He is the guy that is the maestro of this offense. He orchestrates it whenever their offense is going well. Kihei is getting in the lane. He is getting good dribble penetration. They're getting out in transition with him having the ball in his hand. And guess what? He's going to make the right decision more often than not. Now the question for them becomes how often can you get out in transition? How often can you um, be the team like Syracuse and that you're not allowing them to get set up in their zone and all that? Or if they do get set up, you're getting good dribble penetration by your guards. That sucks in the defense so you can kick it out find somebody wide open and, you know, shooting 46% from three ain't a bad time either against that zone. So, you know, it, they, they did what they did and came away with a good win um, in terms of, in terms of, you know, Syracuse uh, in terms of beating Syracuse in this game. 
Final game you want to touch on here on the men's side of things. NC State went up to Blacksburg and got a victory 73-69 to against the Hokies. And we're saying here, good, bad, and ugly, it's really looking good for NC State right now. And Coach Keats, a lot of people were written, wrote, had written him off and saying that he was not going to be able to live past this contract extension. But it's very clear that these young boys are excited about playing for him. They're excited about playing for NC State, which to me, I really haven't seen in a long time, right? You see some guys that are really good, but it's like having the pride of playing for NC State feels like there's a shift there between Joyner and Tukavion Smith. And I'm hoping that that momentum keeps going as they progress through this conference play of the season. I want to talk about a guy you just mentioned there in Jarkel Joyner. Two games straight, back to back, no turnovers. Jarkel Joyner is the primary ball handler in this offense. Now, while we would like to see his assist numbers up to where they were against Duke, that's fine. But the reality is, if you have a point guard that is not turning the ball over and you have guys that are scoring the ball well, like what him and Terquavian do, and then throw in Casey Morsell striping from deep, you're looking at a really, really tough time on defenses. But I will say this. This was a good win, and good teams – Find ways to win. I'm not sure if I'm ready to call this NC State team a good team just yet. However, they shot very poorly from the field. And again, Coach Keats, I'm looking at you. We need they need some sets. They need some sets. They need something that can get them in the rhythm, get them some easy looks because ISO ball works until it doesn't. ISO ball works until Terquavian or Jarkel go cold, until Casey is having a bad night. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at a totally different situation. So um, this was a, a very, very quality. I want to say this was a quad one win uh, by NC State. But, you know, at the end of the day, Virginia Tech, you got to protect your home court. There's, they seem to be struggling and kind of flailing in conference. And uh, that that can't be the case. Justin Mutz has to show up bigger than, you know, nine points, eight rebounds and five turns. He has to show up bigger than that. And if he's not going to show up bigger than that, somebody else has to step up, which I mean, Hey, Padula and Maddox did a great job of scoring in this game. But again, you're going to need Must to be the leader of this team if you're going to go anywhere. You know, I just think it's very also telling how good this conference is right now in terms of every night you have to give your best. Every night you're going to have to come with it because there is a team that is in desperate need of an ACC win, of a quad one win, or just something to where they can put themselves in the right position come tournament time, where they're going to have to make a great run in the conference play, or when they you're even fighting for their resume to get into NCAA tournament time. So men's is rolling, but the women upset squad is just insane. Let's talk about it couple of the highlights and upsets of the weekend really quickly here North Carolina taking on Notre Dame and it seems like what the men do the women will follow in North Carolina getting their first conference win of the season we had talked about it last week we didn't know whether they were going to turn things around because they had some really good matches ahead of them but that's this 60 to 50 victory for the Tar Heels is why I feel like there's no need to panic but one game at a time certainly is what it's going to take for the heels Part of it was defensive intensity. Another part of it was Notre Dame had one of the worst shooting performances I've ever seen. Yes. They could not throw a rock in the ocean from the beach. Second hey, half they, especially. They might have struggled to throw a rock in the ocean from a boat in the ocean the way that this team was looking. I mean, two of 22 from deep, you're never going to win with that. That is not a winning uh, recipe at all. And and so to, to see that this team kind of, at the end of the day, when you look at this Notre Dame team and you look at what they're doing when they're at their best, they're playing off Olivia Miles. She's leading this thing. She's got it. She's got that Kihei Clark in her, but with a lot better score, a lot better score, like 
bar none. And for her to have a one-to-one turnover-to-assist ratio in this game shows the type of ball pressure, shows the type of uh, stifling defense that, you know, um, UNC found a way to play on her, and they came away with the upset because of it. Thousand percent. Other upsets that we want to talk about here. If you have not gotten in on the betting action, you might as well do so. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. If you love sports podcasts as well, you can even find those on at BetOnline. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. Now, if you had had your money on Boston College women taking down Florida State, I would have called you a liar. The 77-71 victory was quite telling for just where Boston College is as a program. They have wins that they can give you little flashes, right? I think at times you're like, okay, I'm not sure which – you know, program's going to give me what I need. But overall, I think that the Eagles are a team that every one of those, you got to come with your best because they are certainly coming with theirs. The surprising part about this game was to see that Florida State was fledging down the stretch, even though they're the deeper team. They're the team that has the deeper bench. And yet the team that's only playing seven deep is the ones that wore them down. And in overtime, it looked like they had nothing left. It looked like they just could not get anything going and, and were struggling to make even the most rudimentary of plays in overtime. So that was something that I found uh, just very, very interesting. But again, another very big game from Dontavia Wagner. She's stringing these things together back to back to back. I, I think that she's looking at a If she continues this type of play, shoe in for ACC most improved player um, and all that type of jazz. But this is, I'll tell you what, like you said, you cannot take a night off. And I think women's side side can't do it. Absolutely. I think Tanil Lotson having an off night is just something that we're not used to seeing from Florida State. I think Aaron Howard only having five points from the floor and just not really being a factor, being one of six on the night is certainly something from three point that you just cannot afford. And, you know, for whatever reason, I love the women's game. But sometimes when I see some of these threes, I'm like, did we run the play? You know, did we try to play at least once before we aired it out? Just just let me know that. Just one good time. Let me see the play that you drew up before we're just shooting the rock and feeling a little too overconfident with that three ball. I know this is the thing. I know Curry is the man. He has changed the game. But sometimes that's not your shot, and a layup does you just fine. You know, so I think that's something. As I'm giving you the PSA, I am not a, a hooper, but I know fundamentals. I am team fundamentals. Team Tim Duncan is one of my favorite players for a reason. It's okay if you hit a bank shot. It goes in all the same. Another upset on the night, Miami beating number nine, Virginia Tech, 77 to 66, not just beating, but beating handedly. This Miami team is no joke. You got the Cavender Cavender twins. You also have two, you know, you also have a team that just always gives you fight every single night. Miami is going to give you their best. And it's certainly something that we saw throughout this matchup against the Hokies. And Miss Kitley, you know, sometimes it's not your night. Uh, You know, I'm sorry, but. It's it's tough for me to just look at Elizabeth Kitley here because, yes, she did get into some very bad foul trouble. Yes, her and Soleil both got into some very, very ticky-tack fouls and whatnot. But the reality is, Georgia Moore, what's going on? We, we need something. We need you to show up just a little better in terms of if Kitley is having an off night. You're supposed to be the second in command. Kayla King. You're the scene. You're another elder, elder statesman. You're another part of why this team has been ranked as highly as they are all year. And you don't do much uh, to show up as well. And so, you know, that's that's going to be a tough time 
um, for this team. And, and then the other part of this that I, I really look at and I say, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit surprised that uh, Miami was able to do this. Generally, Virginia Tech's bigs do a fairly good job of staying out of foul trouble. And to see that pretty much everybody that stepped on the court that was above the height of 5'10 for them had four fouls, that's tough. Four or more fouls, uh, including including um, Kitley and Soleil both fouling out, that's tough. That's tough. You're not going to be able to overcome that. You're not going to be able to overcome undisciplined ball in that regard. Yeah, a thousand percent. And before we get out of here, we'd be remiss if we did not touch on the college football playoff championship game. We know that it's going to be a big one. Georgia is already at 13 and a half favorite over the TCU Horned Frogs. But crazier things have happened. If you saw the highlights from the semifinals, you know that TCU is coming with it. They definitely will give you their best ball and give you their best shot. You cannot count them out. I think Duggan and them do have a chance. As much as people are writing them off, I was in the grocery store today and someone said they don't have a chance in hell. And I said, okay, but that's why you play the game. So if I was a betting woman, I definitely put some dollars down on TCU. See, you're going you're gonna to make me do my, my coach's voice for this one, okay? No, Lord. You got a better chance of taking on hell with a squirt gun, son. That's what I would say if somebody asked me what I would think about putting money down on TCU. Michigan did everything that they could to lose that ball game. They did everything that they could. Everybody, I believe that Michigan's offensive line won the uh, award for the best offensive line this season. Mm -hmm. And they were running Philly special on the two-yard line. For tried to be you, cute. Tried to be cute. Tried to be cute. When sometimes you just do what, be you. Be you. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, we all know how the song goes. Don't forget who bought you to the dance. We know Blake Corum was out. Donovan Edwards is still one of the better backs. Donovan Edwards is one of those backs. If he wasn't behind Blake Corum, if he was anywhere else in the country, I could probably name seven, eight schools where he wouldn't be the starter. And for whatever reason, they got punched in the mouth up front early. And then at the end, kind of tried to pick it up and come back and all that. And it's, it's, they, they did everything that they could to get back into the game. But again, at the end of the day, you know, when you're playing a inferior opponent, you cannot let it be close. You cannot let them get energy, stick around, stay around. And the problem for TCU in this game is Georgia doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. They don't let teams stick around, stay around, all that good stuff. But, I mean, if you talk about the Ohio State game, did we see the national championship game in the semifinals in terms of Marvin Harrison Jr.? We saw how Ohio State gave them the best that they've got. You know, we had a couple – maybe it was targeting, maybe it wasn't calls from on the Georgia side of things. And you have Stetson Bennett, who is Mr. Juco himself, like he's coming a long way. If you put Stetson Bennett up against Duggan, who who would you pick as a quarterback? Oh, I picked Duggan all day and twice tomorrow. Okay. I pick I pick them all day and and twice on Sunday, but the the reality is this: football is about a lot more than one guy, and sure. uh, at, at pretty much every other position, I'm looking around. And I'm saying, all right, who wins this matchup? Georgia. Okay, who wins this matchup? Georgia. Okay, who has the better position? Georgia. All right, the better. So you give them no chance, TCU. Again, I I will give them a chance of slim to none. And Slim then said, my crew, let's go. He done put his top hat on. He done put the little the jacket on. He heading out the door. Will they cover? I doubt it. I, I think it's going to I think it's gonna come down to a touchdown. I think it's going to be seven points. I mean, hey, you know, we can all think things. We can all wish things. We can all hope things. It don't mean this no is happen. the national championship game. You, we're not, I think you're talking like you're not giving TCU enough credit. Hey, listen, 
great story. Great story. Great year. Sonny Dykes, they'll be back. They'll be back, hopefully. Who knows? They'll be back. But uh, those Georgia Bulldogs, uh, it's, a, it's a little different. I'm telling you. And let me tell you this. And watching that game with Georgia and Ohio State, sure. Ohio State played out of their minds, above their heads. There was not a single position group on that Ohio State team except maybe their linebacking court. I didn't think, oh, man, I didn't know that they had this in them. C.J. Stroud, everybody said that he has the yips and that he's very bad at handling pressure. Managed it like a, a, a true professional. They said, well, C.J. Stroud, athletically, he can run. He's too scared to run. Had his most ever scrambling yards in design passes in a game. That was everything. They threw everything. In the words of Future, they dedicated every redacted thing to this. They came up short. And I don't think TCU is quite the team that Ohio State is. Well, that's why they play the game. Like I said, I think it comes down to one touchdown. You think that they're going to get blown out? We'll talk about this recap here tomorrow, as well as some game predictions for our ACC basketball teams. And, you know, we're talking about way too early football. I might argue that Florida State will be in the college football playoff conversation next year. Debate me, if you will. All right, let's do it. We'll leave We'll leave that on the bone. For Candace Cooper and Kenton Giz, we hope you guys have a great rest of your evening. And more importantly, come back tomorrow for more ACC news. Until next time.